Last week, I talked about how Jesus is really the centre of it all. Not just because we sing songs like that, but because he is. Everything was created by him. Everything's for him. Everything's held together by him. And it's this question that we asked ourselves last week, which is, if I ask and I say, okay, Jesus is all these things. He's the preeminent one. He's the one at the centre of it all. And we ask ourselves this question, is Jesus enough? And we know the answer because we've been around church life. And the answer is, yeah, well, of course Jesus is enough. But the question really for us is, is he enough for me? Is he enough for you? Is he the first one that we cling to? Is he the first one we ask for advice? Is he the first one whose wisdom we seek? And we discovered, didn't we, that, that Jesus is wisdom. That whilst the enemy might be clever, he might be intelligent, he's very, very intelligent, he, he's very cunning, he, he is a, a long-term planner, and he, 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 he exhibits all these attributes that we have ourselves and in the world to an amazing extent. But the one thing the enemy doesn't have is he doesn't have wisdom. Because Jesus himself is wisdom. He was made wisdom to us. So the enemy doesn't have wisdom. So what we want is wisdom. Yeah. And we need to shift our life from running on logic and planning and clever and you know, knowledge and information to wisdom. And that wisdom that Jesus has isn't just supernatural wisdom. It's not just something that to, to put on a shelf over there and go, well, that's, that's wisdom. That's what I pick up on a Sunday morning. No, the wisdom that the Bible talks about is wisdom of both natural and supernatural things. So that wisdom we seek is for everything. And as people who want Jesus to be the centre of our life, he needs to be the first person we ask and not the last. He, he's the one we go to when we're excited and joyful, not just the one we go to when we've tried everything and failed. And, and we, we, we pray not out of desperation. You, the norm is not for a believer to pray out of desperation. The norm is for a believer to pray out of knowing him and out of confidence because we know him. Our confidence comes, our faith rises because we know him. And that, that's the goal, isn't it? To know him. And it says, this is the, the verses I, can't, I got to at the end last week. When Jesus spoke these words, he lifted his eyes towards heaven. It's uh, John 17. Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, he will give eternal life to all you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And here's, here's the point. Jesus has authority over all flesh and over all things. 
And that same Jesus is making an offer to anyone who'll take it up of eternal life. And in verse 3 of that passage, we discover what eternal life is. And eternal life isn't about getting to heaven. Eternal life is not just living forever. Eternal life isn't just this hope that when we die, we don't go to oblivion or go to a bad place, but we go to this nice place. That's not eternal life. It's part of eternal life. In fact, if Jesus comes back before we die, we never go to heaven. He comes to us, which is kind of cool. But here's the point. Heaven without Jesus has no point. It's knowing Jesus that's the thing. And this is what Jesus says. He says, this is eternal life, that they might know you and they might know me, Jesus. And that starts the moment we give our life to Christ. So we, we are those who, Joyce used this word, uh, destined or, or, in, or in a particular part. Our, our destiny is to know Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's what this is all about. That's what this life is all about. This is what eternity is all about. And even if we spend forever trying to know Jesus, there's still new things he's going to show us because he's so amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, this eternal life that he's talking about starts now. So the question that comes out of that is, so do you have eternal life? And there's like a, flick, a switch that probably just flicked in your brain and says, of course I do because I'm a Christian. But the question is, do you have eternal life in the way Jesus described it? I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about do you have eternal life? And eternal life, the way Jesus described it, is to know him. So the question, when I say, do you have eternal life, is do you know Jesus? Because that's what he's praying for. That's what he's asking the Father for. That, that, that those who are saved by his, his sacrifice know him. And you can't know Jesus just by one prayer, said 10 years ago. You can't know Jesus just because you got baptised five years ago. Ephesians 1.17 says this, I'm asking God, that's Paul, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and revelation that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And so we can skim that verse and go, okay, well, I've got lots of information about God. I've been around church for years. I know God. I've listened to Mark. I, you know, even when I miss Sunday, I still listen online. So I've got lots of knowledge. And, and I go to the Zoom Bible studies and I'm going to sign up for Sarah's Bible study and I'm, I've got lots of knowledge of God. That's not what that's saying. It's good to do all those things. But that's not what that verse is saying, if you get the point. So Paul is asking the Father, through the Holy Spirit, to give us a gift. He's asking the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts to do something. And, and this should be our request for ourselves. Ask the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts to do this thing. 
And what's he asking for? He's asking for wisdom. That we would have wisdom. Who wants wisdom? Now that I've given it the big build-up. Okay, you should... The answer to that is, I want wisdom, just in case you're confused already. Okay, and I, I, I know it's like... Um, you know, you, you have to listen to me, but the, the point is, we need wisdom. Not intelligence. Intelligence is good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying the enemy's got that. That's not going to win the ba battle. We need to know what to do at every point. Yeah. And we need to know how to do it and when to do it. Yes. And you don't get any of those from information. Yes. You get them from wisdom. And Jesus is wisdom unto us. So we're asking the Holy Spirit to make that, that, that wisdom of Jesus real to us. And that word wisdom there, uh, Greek word Sophia. And here's what it means. It means both higher and lower worldly and spiritual wisdom. So it's not just Jesus, he's like up there and he's got some airy-fairy things he wants to say to us that come across really nice on Sundays. He's got down-to-earth, gritty answers from real people asking real questions about real problems. And, and, and that's what he's saying. So he said, ask for wisdom and you'll get it. That's what James says. And so then he says, an insight, what does that mean? It, the, the, the word probably in your Bible might read revelation. It's the same word. Revelation, something that becomes real to you, comes alive in you, so that you might know in your knowledge, grow in your knowledge of God. And that word knowledge, translated knowledge there, it means so that you might grow in full discernment and full recognition of the fullness of God. Full discernment, full recognition of the fullness of God. That you might know him in all his depths. So he's, he's, he's saying, well, pray for that. That's, that's what this is about because Jesus is the centre. He's the point of everything. He's, he's the point of church. Sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus is the point of church. That we gather together for his glory and to be loved by him and to give him our love. That's why we, we, we gather together and to encourage each other in doing that. But church is actually about him. It's his church, his body of which he's head. And that, that has to mean something more than has just been able to say it. That it's about him. And so we, we do this so that we get to know him and what the world sees of us is him he's he's the point now he, he the reason we have to be reminded of that is so much of what we've talked about over the last 10 or 20 years in church world is about church and ministry and how do we get bigger? How do we get people to go? And, and for all sorts of really good reasons, good people have made church about other things. We've made church about the lost. We've made church about the organisation. We've made church about strategy and vision. We've made church about raising finances. We've made church about so many things. 
we, you know, about social action, about politics. And, and it's not that any of those are bad things. They're all good things. But because we've given them the centre of attention, they tend to divide us rather than unify us. Because we all have different views on all those things. The one thing that unifies the body of Christ is Jesus. And that's why the message has to be Jesus. It's got to be about him. When, when we live and breathe and speak, it's him we live in, move in and have our being. The goal is we get clothed in him. Yeah. Now, that's kind of deep stuff, but that, that, that's, that's the point of what I'm saying. So the, the, the question then that I want to deal with this morning is how did Jesus get to be that person? Why, why is he the centre of attention? Why is God asking us to do that? Why, why is he, he demanding that that is the only legitimate way for believers to think and desire? Why is it Jesus? And, and again, the easy answer is it's Jesus because that's what I learned in Sunday school. Well, that's what I learned in church. But there's a point we reach where that doesn't satisfy. And we, we, we ask ourselves that question, is Jesus enough? And we find our lives are relying on everything else. Apart from Jesus. And worse still, our lives are relying on us. I think it's a really worrying thing that we seem to have no problem at all with it staking our entire future and our entire family on ourselves. I think that's a really worrying thing. Like, without Jesus, what's that going to turn out like? It's got, it's got to be him, right, the centre. So how, how did he get there? Well, I'm going to go to uh, Philippians, really familiar passage. I'm going to read it out of translation. I don't normally uh, use, we, we normally kind of try and all use the same one here, but I'm just going to read it out of a different version to, to try and give it a bit of freshness. It should be pretty close to yours, whatever you got, but here we go. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11. New Living. Here we go. Don't be selfish. So I'm, I'm actually going to start verse 3. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let's just say that again. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. So what's that attitude? Well, he's going to describe it. That though Jesus was God, because that's our answer, isn't it? When we say, why should Jesus be the centre? Well, he's God. No, that's not why Jesus is the centre. Though he was God, he didn't think equality with God is something to cling to. He was God and he had a different motivation that led him to conclude 
He needed to let go of that and not cling to it and hold it so tight. What's that motivation? You. Because he loves you. So he didn't think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's God, dying a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, therefore, because he did that, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour. That's why it's all about him, because he has the place of highest honour. There's nobody else that deserves that sort of honour. So he's got the place of highest honour. And gave him the name above all names. There you are, second reason. He's got the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's just go back quickly there. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour. What's the therefore, therefore? Because he humbled himself. Jesus got all that because he humbled himself. Scroll back, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Jesus didn't take hold of all that and go, I am Jesus, I I deserve it. Jesus received all that from the Father because he humbled himself. The genuine humbling of himself preceded what the Father had for him. Let me just say that again, because that's a really important thing. Don't miss that. The humbling of himself, the genuine humbling of himself, preceded all the Father had for him. It wasn't a result of what the Father had for him. It preceded it. So, because he was obedient, because he humbled himself, because he submitted himself to the cross, he is exalted. Have this same attitude as Jesus. We often want the position or the success without being humble. In fact, many see humility as an obstacle to getting on in life. And yet, the word tells us it's the most essential thing. See, when we approach Jesus as believers, often we will go and we want something. We want healing. Uh, we want our bank balance sorting out. We want uh, our relationship sorting out. You, you name it, we, we've got it on our list. I mean, we, we want revival, don't we? Yeah. yeah? And, and we go with these things that we, we want and we go to get something from Jesus. 
here's what I've got to tell you this morning. It's not about getting something from Jesus. Because we fall down on that. Because then if we don't get it, or we don't get it when we wanted it, or it doesn't quite look like we wanted it, we fall out with Jesus. And we go like, why is it not working for me? I'm going to go to a different church because it's not working for me. Or I'm, I'm not going to bother with that Christianity stuff. I gave it a go and it didn't work. And, and the, 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 the heart of the problem is we went to Jesus in order to get something. And when we didn't get what we wanted, we'd given up on him. Because that's not what this is about. We, it's not about getting something from Jesus. It's about he is the something that we need to get. He is the one that we need to get. Everything else is a therefore and follows. We, you're like, well, surely I just believe the promises. I have faith in the promises. Yeah, it works to some extent. But it's really hard to keep on believing the promises in the face of contrary evidence in our circumstances in the world if we don't know Jesus. Faith comes because we know Jesus through the word and through the spirit. So we've got to know him. And it's not about going to get something from him. We've got it the wrong way around. It's about going to get him. That's our priority. That's what we, we're trying to do. You see, we can be so preoccupied with how to get things from him, when in reality, we need to be preoccupied with him. And the rest follows. By the way, don't think... I now need to be preoccupied in Je with Jesus in order that I can get those things. That's not the point. Do you get that? The point is be preoccupied with him. He sorts the rest. He is it. You know, if, you, if you're lonely, he says, I, I'm, I've got your, my spirit will comfort you. I am with you always to the end of the age. If you're sad, he's the, not, not sad. If you're sick, he's the healer. He's the one who has life. He, he's the, the one who paid for your healing. If you're powerless, he says, here, have the Holy Spirit. Have the power that I have. If you, if you reject it, he says, I'm never going to leave you. I've adopted you into the... I've caused you to be adopted into the family of the Father. And you have all the same rights and privileges. Mate, we're not going anywhere. You'll never be rejected from this family. If you've been cheated on, God can't lie. He's not going to cheat on you. If you're fearful... Perfect love casts out fear. And he is perfect love. He is what you need. So it's not to come realising you need something, but to come realising you need someone. And that someone is Jesus. I just want to take it on a bit further this morning. Still on, on that passage. And I'm going to introduce this word that is at the centre of that passage. It's a word we're not actually kind of really all fair with in our generation, in our church world. And therefore, it might be easy for us to dismiss. 
The word is humility. Humility. Humility, Scripture tells us, is the basic foundation to the life of a believer. It's Christianity 101. And it comes before so much of what God has for us. But as God was showing me this and I was studying this out, one of the things that I became increasingly irritated with in my spirit, and I, I guess if I was truthful, I've been irritated with it for a while, is I think it's so glaringly obvious that our church world is anything but humble. It really is. Humility is not, as far as I can see, I might be being cynical, in which case you can disagree with me, that's okay. It's not the goal for a believer. Nor is it the starting point for a believer. Somehow humility has got sidestepped in what we say, what we do, and what we promote, and what we hire, admire, and hire. Why is that? I believe, in some ways, it's because we've discovered that you can build churches and ministries on the cult of personality. And, and because of that, young pastors of which I was one once, not too long ago, <laughs> think I've got to do that if I'm going to get on in ministry because that's my job. Yeah. And, and the whole thing's got awful. It's it self-promotion. And it's almost like Christianity is about advertising. Again, it's not wrong to tell people what you're doing, but it's... It's not so you can build your ministry or your church or your fame. And it saddens me hugely that that's, that's what's been inflicted on you guys. Because we all see it. But we, we don't necessarily all notice it. And I think what Paul would say is, have this mind like Christ Jesus. You see, ministry and success in God's eyes is something God gives you. It's not something you cling to and take for yourself. It's not something you earn and it's not something you employ a right strategy in order to get. And therefore, it's not something that depends on being able to raise enough finances to build the thing that you want to build in order to build something bigger on the back of what you've just built. It's about knowing him. The ones who will be closest to Jesus in eternity 
are the ones who knew him best. That's the measure of success. It's what we build on. You know when it says, I've gone off, I've just had another thought. You know when it says that we need to be careful how we build? Because some of it's going to be burnt up and we'll find out eventually how we, 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 we were build, building. Humility is the groundwork on which everything else is built. What is not built here has been achieved by a way God didn't give. The worst thing you can do is be an absolute success in a way that God didn't give it to you. Why do you say that, Matt? Because it's going to be burnt up. It's going to be burnt up. The work of God is in us so that we might know him. And because we become like him, in humility, he gives us everything. He gives us himself. He gives us success. Before Jesus is known for anything else, he's known for his lowliness and humility. And you go, wow, just process. What was the first thing you knew about Jesus? Lovely Jesus, meek and mild. Humility and lowliness. That's, that's the picture even unbelievers have of Jesus. He's known for his humility and his lowliness. The symbol of our faith is what? The cross. The cross is the symbol of our faith. Well, where are you going with this, Mark? Well, here's where I'm going with this. The symbol of our faith is not the crown. It's not the throne. It's not the building. You know, the temple. It's not fame. Jesus is famous because he was humble and lowly first. And God gave him the name above all names. Are you getting this? This area of humility is so precious to the Holy Spirit. It's so precious to him. It's a, it's, a, it's a great treasure he wants us to have. And when he finds it, he's so excited. He goes, they got it. They've got that mind like Jesus. In that passage in Philippians, we see that because... Jesus humbled himself. The Father gave him the name above every name. Because he humbled himself, he was given the name above every name. 
How humble do you have to be to be God and yet born in an animal's bed? Not in a king's palace, but in an animal's bed. How humble do you have to be to be God and not only become a baby, but at one point to be the seed in a woman's womb? You're God of the universe and you have a little two cells in a woman's womb. How humble do you have to be to go through that? How humble do you have to be to choose your crown? You've got, you can have any crown in the universe with any diamond or precious metal in the universe because you're God. How humble do you have to be to choose three-inch stones battered into your skull? How humble do you have to be? We have a king who traded heaven's diadem for thorns. So our perspective needs to shift. We are, by definition, called to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus is humility personified. It's about attitude. Having that same attitude as Jesus. By now you're probably going, well, what's humility? If you're not going, what's humility? You should be. Because <laughs> that's what we want. That's, that's what we need. And I'll just talk a little bit about that then we'll finish for this morning. We'll come back to this next week. Because I think the problem we have with humility is we don't like what we think it looks like. And we say, right, okay, well, if I'm humble, people are just going to walk all over me. I'll never be a success unless I tell people how amazing I am and promote myself. I just, just what happened. You need to get, get your image out there. If you're going to be a success. Mark, don't you know about Instagram? So important to ministry. I'm just pointing out that I've moved on. I'm, I'm young and trendy because I'm on Instagram now instead of Facebook. You know, I've heard, I've heard of it. I can put photos up with one-liners now. <laughs> and because of that, because we think, well, that's not how things work, we struggle to understand what this humility thing it's talking about is. That's because we've recreated humility in our own image as weakness. Humility is not weakness. Humility is not strength. It's none of those things. Humility, the humility that Paul talks about and Jesus gave an example of and the Bible talks about is this. I'll say it slowly so you can write it down. 
because otherwise you're going to go off and you're going to have a different idea about what humility is. Humility is the giving of all the glory and all the credit to God. All of it. Every last drop. The giving of all the glory and all the credit to God. That's humility. Humility isn't the degrading and putting down of yourself. Because we have a problem with that, don't we? When we go like, you need to know who you are in Christ. Well, who I am in Christ is I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I've got an eternal inheritance. I'm, I'm like part of his family. Everything, he, all that he has is mine. And he loves me with an everlasting love, an unconditional love. The one who created the universe is this amazing person. How amazing does that make me? So how can I be humble and still know who I am in Christ? And, and we go to one of the two extremes. We go, I know who I am in Christ, so I'll promote myself and tell people how amazing I am. Or we go to the other extreme and go, I can't know who I am in Christ because that's not humble. No, the two are not mutually exclusive. Humility is giving all the glory and all the credit to God for who you are in Christ. It's not that you're amazing. Or unamazing. It's that he's in you. And he gave it to you. And he deserves all the glory. And he deserves all the credit. That's why we have that thing up there. And we've had it up for weeks. One king, one saviour, one message. It's Jesus. Not faith life, not Mark, not Cheryl, not anybody else. Jesus. Because he deserves all the credit and all the glory. Because everything that happens that is good is him. Yeah. Well, isn't it you, Mark? Isn't it Cheryl? Isn't it somebody else? No, he gave us all that we've got anyway. So even if I do something good, he gave me the ability to do it. That's right. yeah. So he gets the credit. I wouldn't be stood here if he hadn't saved me in the first place. Right. Yeah. I'd probably still be a petty thief who swore a lot. <laughs> you know, that we... we we wouldn't be who we are. So he gets the credit. The more you become aware of the presence of God in your life, the more you become aware that it's him who's actually doing it. Let me just finish with this leave you with that and then I'm going to come back and talk about this a bit more next week until Jesus or apart from Jesus who is the most humble person who ever lived well according to Numbers 12.3 Moses is the most humble person who ever lived. That would be Moses leading two million plus people out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, uh, 
calling down the plagues, doing the stuff with the staff, getting water out of stone, turning bitter water to sweet. That would be that Moses. The most humble man who ever lived. According to Numbers 12.3. I am the most humble man who ever lived. Because Moses wrote Numbers 12.3. That's what he said. I am the most humble man who ever lived. How can he say that? He can say that because he come to a realisation it wasn't him and it was God. Yeah. Remember he tried it as him yeah. and ended up being a murderer and running for his life. Yeah. That was him. Yeah. All this other stuff, he's God. You see, I think Moses became so aware that it was God's doing in his life. He even became disconnected from his own opinion of himself. Remember, when God calls Moses, the first thing he says to him, you know, the first thing Moses' response is, I can't do it. Because I, I, I'm, I'm not an eloquent man, I can't, you know, I stutter, and it's just a mess. You don't see that at the end of Moses' life. You see him desperate that God's presence won't leave him. Because at the beginning, he didn't want God's presence because he didn't think he could do what God asked him to do. And then by the end of his life, he, he, he won't even go anywhere. He won't, he, he won't even take Israel into the promised land unless God says he's going to go with them. Because he, he knows that without God, he's nothing. Here's the thing he's doing. He's going, I know that's God. Because I know who I am and it's not me. That's humility. I know who I am and it's not me that's doing this. It's not me that deserves the credit for this. So how does this work? How do we step into this? There's nothing new under the sun. We step into things the same way as we step into everything. We give him everything that we are, like Jesus did. He gave it all up. And what did he get in return? Everything. We draw near to him. He draws near to us. We, give, we yield ourselves to his spirit, and he fills us with that same spirit and gives us all of him. So let us not take the glory for what he does. Let's not be telling the world that we've got an amazing church or amazing ministries or whatever. Because we haven't. It's him. Yeah. It's him. He needs to get the glory. Otherwise we'll just carry on on this reckless course that we can't see through and we'll make people famous and the world will go, they're no different from us. They're all different from us. You know, we could spend millions on putting in on conferences and all that sort of stuff. And the Christian world does. Bottom line, we still won't do them as good as Coldplay or Paul McCartney. We just won't. Let's 
let's not take the glory for how amazing our shows looked. It's him. Yeah. We can't heal anybody. We can't deliver anybody. We can't set people free. It's the Christ in us that does that. So let him have the glory. Yeah. Let him be the centre. One king, one saviour, one message. Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 Let's stand.